Hey everyone, this is Steve Bowes. Before we get to today's HR Happy Hour show, I want to thank, of course, our show sponsor, Virgin Pulse. You can learn more about them at www.virginpulse.com. A couple quick updates on the HR Happy Hour podcast network. Check out a recent show I did with Zach Iskall from Higher Purpose, all about connecting veterans with job opportunities. It was a really good conversation on an important topic. And check out all the shows on the HR Happy Hour Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. And also, we are super excited here at the HR Happy Hour for our HR Happy Hour show now live on Amazon Alexa. You can add this short, fast version of the show to your Alexa's daily or flash briefing. Just search in your Amazon Alexa app for the HR happy hour skill. If you have an idea for a show, a topic, or a guest, you can always tweet us at HR happy hour or send me a note at steve at h3hr.com. Finally, of course, check out www.hrtechconference.com. Use my code steve300 for $300 off your registration for the biggest HR tech event in the world coming soon in September in Las Vegas. Today on the show, just let me set it up a little bit. I recorded live from the Cornerstone On Demand Convergence Conference in San Diego, where uh, in a two-part show, in the first part, I'm joined by Elvis Ha, the Director of Product Management at Cornerstone. We talked all about the evolution of learning, learning technology, what modern learners are looking for. It was a really good conversation with someone really at the forefront of modern learning technology. And the second half of the show, I was joined by Melissa Lanier Preston, the Director of Leadership and Talent Management at T-Mobile. And we got we d- dive deep into leadership development and all the really cool programs and initiatives that Melissa leads at T-Mobile, all about learning and leadership development. So a really good conversation with both Elvis and Melissa, two-part show, and I hope you will enjoy it. And thanks again for listening to the HR Happy Hour show. Learn more at www.h3hr.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. All right, that's it. Let's get the show started. Hey, we're back uh, with Elvis Ha from Cornerstone On Demand. Elvis is the Director of Product Management at Cornerstone. Elvis joined Cornerstone On Demand in 2012 to spearhead the consumerization of the enterprise and employee at the core product initiatives. Over the past six years, Elvis has continued to launch Cornerstone's universal profile, Connect, Collaborative Learning, Learning Admin Redesign, and Learning Experience Platform Products. Elvis and his team of product managers focus on the vision, strategy, priority, design, and execution of these products, working with the technology teams. Elvis is fiercely devoted to bringing maximum value to clients with each release. Elvis, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. Thank you, Steve. Two important things you told me prior to turning on the mics. Your first podcast appearance, That's right. which is exciting. Yeah. My first podcast guest named Elvis. <laughs> Equally exciting. Cool. So cool. thanks for joining us. We're at the Convergence event in San Diego. Huge event, getting bigger all the time. Yeah, 2,000 clients. Yeah. Amazing. For folks who may not have the benefit of knowing as much about Cornerstone On Demand as others do, can you just, let's start off, give us like the 30,000 foot view of what Cornerstone is, what you're doing, you know, some of the products and services. What Tell us a little bit about Cornerstone. Cornerstone's tagline, I guess, is that we empower people. And that involves every aspect of the employee life cycle. We provide solutions for recruiting talent and attracting talent to onboard and to train them, provide them lifelong learning uh, solutions, measure and track their performance and develop them as, as employees. 
uh, and uh, take a look at succession um, at, a, at a high level to see how to how to take the organization next. Yeah, so it's really all things talent, really, like how an organization engages with talent, finds talent, helps talent develop, manage their careers. There's a lot of really interesting things happening around talent. And probably it's never been a more important subject. I know I say that a lot on the show, but it is. Like unemployment is really low, right? Job openings are really high. Great right. employees have lots of options. It's got to be a a really good time in a way and also a challenging time to be in the talent business. Yeah, it's uh, very exciting. I feel like um, a lot of people in our industry say you know, learning is cool right now. Lifelong learning is making its ways into the mainstream media and press and research and articles and all of that. So there's a lot of pressure on L&D professionals and, and talent professionals to keep up with all of this new research and all of these new needs to, to take care of uh, people with a growth mindset. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, right? Because um, we read the things about right, the importance of lifelong learning, the importance of employees for, say, engagement and retention to be to be able to see a, some kind of a path forward, right, or a, a development plan for themselves that aligns with their career goals. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, as you engage with customers who are in this, you know, ankle deep, or maybe not ankle deep, that's not very deep, waist deep, right, in kind of engaging with talent and helping them sort of figure all this out. What, what are customers saying to you about how things are changing? Yeah, so what we've seen in customers is a lot of customers are recognizing that um, the traditional, so I'm a learning guy, so sure. in, in, through the lens of learning, a lot of clients are realizing that the traditional top-down method of um, training an organization, it's, it's just not cutting it. Everyone is going to Google or going to YouTube um, to learn every day or speaking with uh, their colleagues and, and finding out tips from them. And so the nature of learning is, is changing a little bit. And um, also the nature of work is changing as well. So 10 years at jobs are getting shorter. That's an indicator that we're seeing. Um, I believe it's average tenure at companies is now two years or even maybe right. less than that. Um, and we're also seeing the half-life of skills getting shorter and shorter, meaning that skills become obsolete faster. In order for you to be successful, it, even a job that you continue to have, not even talking about career mobility, the, the skills involved in the job that you have are changing. Um, yeah, it used to be, I guess, right, in the old kind of paradigm, you could maybe get hired into an organization uh, in a junior role, say, in, I don't know, in accounting or marketing or something maybe put in your four years or so in that role, be perfectly successful in that role for that amount of time, and then take that next step up, right, the chain. And what you're suggesting is, hey, not only is maybe that step up not so clear, but the four or five years in that role may not be a guarantee that you can continue to be successful due to the changing nature of skills requirements. Right. And you might not even want to keep going up that career ladder. Uh, so one of the metaphors that I like to talk about is that you know the, the nature of work is changing and it's no longer about moving up and up a career ladder. It's more like climbing a rock wall. And sometimes when you're climbing a rock wall uh, and, and, and you're thinking about your career, sometimes a lateral move, a move to the side is the way that you'll you'll uh, take to get to where you want to be. Sometimes even taking a step down into the side to get to right. where you want to be is the right thing to do. Yeah, that's it's a great metaphor. And uh, we heard it yesterday a little bit in some of the presentations we attended. And uh, I liked, it makes me think of the kind of two questions. One would be, uh, from the customers that you're working with, how do, how do people sort of take that? Is that like... Uh, 
you know, sometimes you hear about, and I don't want to stereotype, I don't want to do the millennial card or anything like that, but sometimes you read things like, oh, well, you know, these types of folks expect dramatic progression, rapid advancement, more responsibility, so on and so forth. Are, are, are newer employees kind of accepting of this idea that, hey, progress may not be a straight line? Is that the sense you get from customers? Yeah, I think people want to know what their options are. And uh, traditionally, the, the w- without technology helping, it's really who, who you know. If you know someone that has made a leap, um, made a career change, then you're equipped with that information. Now you know that you can do that. Um, but with things like AI and, and data science, we can we can start to see themes of, of that happening and help people see more options. And, and that theme of seeing options that are personalized to you, that's something that consumers experience every day in their lives. You know, when we're looking at Google Maps to find what is the best path, right. literally, to get to where I want to go, or I'm choosing choosing um, anything. Practically we we get the Netflix comparison a lot as well, right? You've, you've consumed this piece of content, a movie or something, here's what we think are the next three pieces of content you might appreciate. That's right. Yeah. Maybe searching isn't, I mean, searching will always be important, but I don't, my theory is that people are too lazy to even search. (laughs) People want just to be handed um, and recommended what is most contextual and relevant for them. That's sad in a way though. I'm not saying I disagree with you, Alvis, but yeah, we're too lazy to search. (laughs) And I just reminded me of something I just read again recently, which is uh, they haven't deployed this yet, I guess because their AI is not quite good enough yet though, but which is the Amazon um, shopping less shipping or something like that. Like anticipatory shipping, that's what it's called. And they have a patent for it. I was just reading about it again. So the idea would be, right, instead of you may like this product, right, that you, because you bought something similar, we're just going to send it to you. Right. I mean, we think you'll like it. I mean, I think that's a great client experience, customer experience. So let's talk a little bit about how some of these these ideas and these metaphors and, and some of these changes, how are they manifesting in some of the technology? Because a lot of what we're talking about can really only be enabled and supported, certainly at scale, with really modern, uh, highly personalized, engaging uh, technology. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the kinds of investments you're making at Cornerstone to try to provide these experiences to to modern learners. Yeah. Uh, So we live in an age of information and content and sensory overload, cognitive overload. Um, And and that um, that is really a blocker for engagement. So everything is all about reducing uh, strain on on wor- number of steps in a mm-hmm. workflow sure. or the amount of thinking you have to put uh, towards towards learning something. We're trying to really focus on user experience. And we see that trend um, everywhere in technology as well, that user experience and design are becoming forefront of uh, of a buyer's expectation, but also just everyday learners and everyday users are really keying mm-hmm. in on frictionless user experience. And then the other thing is um, personalization. So yes, going back to that Netflix metaphor, um, knowing having the system know what to serve you uh, in order to best um, best fit, fit your consumption needs, and in this case, learning needs, um, is a huge focus. But what differentiates us from the Netflix metaphor is that we have information um, on we have data on who you are in an organization, right? right? So Netflix doesn't know that um, you're a manager or that you're in sales or, <laughs> or whatever, and it can, cannot curate that content based off of who um, you are in an organization. And 
we we can do that. And, yeah, there's another yeah. level, a depth of information that Cornerstone has about a person beyond just what learning objects they consumed, right? We know about, we know their role, we know their history with the organization. We we might know, I think we know, or I'm putting words in your mouth, but we know your career goals. Maybe we know your performance. We right. know, we know, we know a lot about you, right? Yeah, we, we know all of that. And that's all um, helpful in, in crafting a personalized contextual experience for the individual. But then you also think about how now let's think about on a macro sense. Mm -hmm. Everyone in an organization, now that you're crunching all of that data, you can also see the, the, the paths that people took in their career trajectory. I went from this role to that role and, can, and I can actually, we actually can show users even how, how many times that has happened within the company okay. from, from someone to, let's say, go from an um, engineer to the CTO and even how many years it takes in between. So having all of that information at a macro sense really helps both the individual as well as the entire organization. Yeah, it's really impressive. Uh, and I encourage folks to, to check out what Cornerstone is doing in this area because the combination of the experiential data and the consumption data along with the organizational context, and because the context is key for, for, for most of this, it's really quite powerful. And, and, and the technology itself is uh, quite, uh, it's advanced. Like, it's amazing. It looks like any kind of, app you'd use for, you know, all the fun things you'd like to do on your phone, I guess. I yeah, don't know. But, that's what uh, it takes. Let me do a quick reset. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. My name is Steve Bose. I'm with Elvis Hoff from Cornerstone On Demand. We are in San Diego at the Cornerstone Convergence event 2018. It's probably my fourth or fifth event. And I, I do get blown away by how these events get so big and so massive. And you guys have customers all over the world. You probably have customers here from all over the world yeah, as well. 22 right? different countries yeah. this year. Amazing. Amazing. One of the other things that was talked about here at the event, and I'd like to ask you about it, Elvis, is a partnership that Cornerstone has with an organization called the Institute for the Future, which is a cool sounding name. And maybe you could help us understand what, what that's really all about. But really what you're trying to look at is that that connection of work and learning and some of the things we've been talking about. So I'd love for you maybe to tell us a little bit about that work, that research, what's it about, and kind of what are some of the things you're finding uh, from that research? Yeah, I'd love to talk about sure. that. Um, the Institute for the Future is a think tank based out in Palo Alto. Uh, and when people think about, you know, what is a, what does a futurist do? What, what does that mean? And it, it isn't just waxing poetic about what you think the future is going to be. There's heavy research involved to gather um, indicators and, 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 and signs and themes of what's actually happening today. And then we can take okay. those indicators of what's happening today and then apply it to say, okay, take that one step further. What does that mean tomorrow? Um, and right now, what we're seeing um, in, in the workforce is this theme of the gig economy. Um, and sure. a lot of job growth in this past year was due to uh, employees, or sorry, not employees, but um, their people who are their own boss right. working for Uber or working for Lyft. Um, at the same time, so th there's definitely this trend of job growth moving in this direction, at least for now. Right. right. There's a disproportionate level of job growth in the, in these gig, these these casual gig kind of jobs, and there are in traditional employment. Right. We've seen that That's for right. a while now. Right. Okay. That's right. Um, and uh, at the same time, these companies are not giving stock options or RSUs to these drivers or to these right. gig workers. Um, so what kind of equity are these are these new gig workers going to have? I mean, it's, it's pretty rough out there. Um, and so maybe we can start to think about, and the Institute is keying in on this, 
we can start to think of new forms of equity that companies can provide to uh, to its workers and perhaps teaching people skills, skills that provide them career mobility, provide them options and increase their own value as a person. Um, that's that's an area that the Institute is is really yeah. interested in. And that has a great overlap with uh, with what Cornerstone is doing, because by partnering with the Institute's research and uh, Cornerstone's technology and platform that can push um, knowledge and learning out to a lot of people, I think we can really make something uh, something good happen with this. That's really interesting, and, yeah. and I'm interested in it only, too, because a lot of this kind of – uh, some of the things I've read anyway about trying to create a more secure, stable kind of platform or an economic environment for the gig workers has centered around – and these things are important, don't get me wrong, but center around things like uh, portability of a retirement plan or portability of benefits plans and things like that. Like maybe companies like Uber or Lyft and the like pay something into this kind of a fund for those types of things, more financial security related and benefit security related that would kind of then travel with you as say you left Uber and you went to Lyft or you went to you know Instacart or wherever you went, right? Right, right. This is different though. This is more about, that's more security. What you're talking about, it sounds like is more Hey, preparing you for for a a sometimes uncertain future, and, and hoping to skill to help you acquire the skills you'll need in the future. That's it's right. Really interesting. Yeah, uh, we see a lot of themes of um, you know new skills are entering the vernacular um, and and becoming relevant, and at the same time, uh, current skills that exist are being unbundled and rebundled. So we also see. For example, nurses are doing stuff that only doctors would do several years ago. Yeah. So the equipping people with skills and teaching them new things is, is really important. And one more thing to add to that is um, as an individual, you may have an idea of, of what skills are important right now. I mean, for me, maybe data science is, or computer science are really exciting today currently. But um, a lot of individuals don't necessarily know what skills are going to be important in three years or five years. Uh, and so research done by the Institute has has decided there's five key skills um, that are really important for the future. And many of them are actually soft skills. Uh, so that's that actually yeah. stuff I heard uh, the LinkedIn CEO presented not too long ago about the skills that were in most demand as, as they analyze LinkedIn traffic and data and uh, communication skills, I think was like number one, like a yeah. soft skill. It was surprising. Right, yeah. right. So things are certainly changing. Soft skills are becoming more important. The five skills that they've uh, come up with in their research, one is um, make yourself known. So personal okay. branding, uh, build your tribe, and that's certainly soft skills. Uh, make sense of loopy, complex systems. Befriend the machines because the machines sure. may work for us or we may work for the machines. Yeah, yeah. And finally, keep it up with persistence and grit. And okay. looking at my own uh, my own career journey, I really feel like these skills are, in fact, very, very important. Um, and so I was immediately drawn to the Institute. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and we'll put some links in the show notes to where folks can learn more about this research and what's going on there. And uh, it's really fascinating stuff. And I, I think it's a really kind of cool initiative and different, too. And uh, I like that. Hey, Alice, before we let you go and let you get back to your schedule here at Convergence, maybe like if we could just put on our little, you know, future gazing hat a little bit. And I mean, you're working with lots and lots of clients and, and you've been at this for a while as well in a lot of different domains in the learning area and other areas. Like, what do you kind of see 
is happening in terms of where things are going. If you could say, boy, learning and learning technologies, man, I see this probably is where we're going in two to three years. So maybe not identifying the skills people need, but where do you see the, the kind of support processes and what L&D professionals need to be thinking about for the next couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. One is how do we tie learning directly to really important productivity KPIs that, that matter, such as performance review scores, promotion rates, career mobility, job mm-hmm. changes. That's one of the things that technology and data science can help to make those associations and uh, really make an impact onto... Right, because that's been the in the learning, learning industry, industry for, for decades, right? right. So prove, that's proved the ROI of this learning initiative. We're, I think we're, fi- we're suggesting we're finally getting better and supported by technology to be able to do more of that. Yeah, I think data science is the key here. Okay. And uh, it's a lot of, lot of hard work um, in, in data science, but I think the industry is going to get there. The other thing is um, personalization at scale. That's super yeah. important um, and very much expected from everybody. Another theme is interoperability. So, what do you mean by that? Else? So, interoperability meaning in it, well, a lack of interoperability means you have to go to one specific place to, to do that thing. I have to go to a learning solution just to do my learning. But okay. we know that learning happens all the time at work. At work, we're always um, talking to our colleagues, learning from them, learning um, via via the GitHub commits that we're doing and, and sure. our conversations yeah. in Slack and all of that. And all of that... It's distributed and decentralized and... Sometimes hard to unearth as well, right? And That's make, make right. Available to people, yeah. Yeah, but those are all um, areas that we learn on the job. And gathering all of that data and organizing it and making sense of it, that's also going to be a key to the future. Yeah, look, I think it's a great time to be in the HR business, the talent business, the learning business. I mean, I just started, sort of started off the show. It's like it's never been more important for organizations as talent becomes harder to find, harder to keep, more valuable, right? Even in the age of all this machinery and automations, the best talent, I think, becomes even more valuable. So it's a super time to be in the talent space and the learning space as well, I think. So I'm pretty optimistic about what's happening here. I'm glad you agree. It's good. It's good. It's good that you agree. It'd be bad if you didn't. Yeah. Elvis, man, this has been great fun. Thanks for taking a few minutes to join us at Cornerstone Convergence. Elvis Ha from Cornerstone and Man. Thank you so much, Elvis. Thanks so much, Steve. It's been a pleasure. Hey, welcome back to the HR Happy Hour. I hope you enjoyed part one of the podcast. We had a great conversation with Elvis Ha from Cornerstone On Demand, talking about all things learning and learning tech. And part two of the podcast, we are going to take on a topic that we probably don't cover enough on the show, which is leadership development. And with me is Melissa Lanier-Preston, Director of Leadership and Talent Management at T-Mobile US. Melissa serves all aspiring leaders from the front line to directors looking to make a move to VP, Melissa and her team are responsible for creating the approaches, tools, and programs that identify high potential talent and develop those leaders as they grow in their careers. Melissa has more than 18 years of experience in talent management, leadership development, and organizational learning. Melissa, welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show. Well, thanks so much for having me. I want to say something. You're welcome, first of all. You are on brand. I love the magenta you're wearing. I know it's a podcast and listeners can't see it, but that looks great. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. We T-Mobile employees do not like to go anywhere without our magenta. I don't know if you noticed. I did it. It's also on my fingernails. Yes. That is awesome. I love that. We love the brand. Well, that's great. You should. It's a great brand, but we all know the brand, right? And 
everybody's seen a million T-Mobile commercials, probably thousands of people are T-Mobile users and customers, but just give us an idea of the scope and size, if you can, or the, the footprint of T-Mobile, because it's I think it's a much bigger company than I'm even thinking. Well, T-Mobile has more than 50,000 employees. Wow, it in is the much US. bigger. Okay. And um, our, we deliver our services through a network of third parties, be it um, T-Mobile stores that aren't company-owned or call centers that are, you know, supporting us um, that almost doubles that size. Wow, okay. So, so we're providing a lot of services through an organization of great scope and scale. We are headquartered in Bellevue, Washington, but we um, have stores everywhere. Everywhere, sure, everywhere. Absolutely. That's uh, And so at a big company, company like that, a tech company, essentially, right? Uh, the, the, the role and the function of leadership development to me is really interesting. Could you maybe just set a little context for us and tell us a little bit about how T-Mobile and you and your team think about leadership development, its importance to the organization, and sort of how you just generally approach leadership development? Sure, sure. So we think about leadership development, honestly, in terms of career development. Okay. Right. We're so focused on careers that our overall department is called employee careers. All um, right, okay. And we we think about how to bring people in, right? So we want you to join T-Mobile and have a fabulous experience and build a career at T-Mobile. And so we have a lot of programs that help to develop people over the course of the career. Okay. Right. So when you think about our offerings generally, they show up in two places. One is this idea of high potential programs, what they're traditionally called. We call them top talent programs. Okay. And those programs are available to every level of employee. Um, and, you know, if you start at the front line and you're in a retail store and you're a mobile expert and you want to take the next step and become a, an associate store manager, then we have development that helps you do that. Okay. And when you're ready to take the next step to store manager, there's development that helps you do that, right? All the way up through um, directors and senior directors getting ready to be vice presidents. Right, right. Okay. And so that's one of the ways that we think about and offer leadership development. The other way would be to help people rock it in their current role, right? Okay. So if you're a people leader and you have a team, then we have offerings for you to help you do an even better job um, in what we consider to be, you know, one of the most important roles in the company because our sure. people are so important. And so having a leader who's really there to grow them and coach them and develop them is is an incredible responsibility. Yeah, and that's great that you've got, like, you're taking care to pay sort of time, investment and resources and not just, you know, for lack of a better word, the high pose, right? It's not... Look, those are important. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, everybody's career is important, right? Or yes. at least should be. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, every every employee, every team member um, should have access to development offerings and to a great manager who's going to to work with them to help them grow. Right? Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're in a team and your manager isn't really helping you with your development, that's a tough space to be. So we we actually have a, a set of offerings that help managers do a better job as a career coach. That's oh, just one example. Yeah, that's important. But, you know, your manager is probably your most important go-to in terms of in terms of helping you think about your next step. Yeah, and we've we've at least I've I know I've repeated that line. We've seen it a million times, right? The one about people don't leave companies, they leave managers, right? And and I think there's probably some element of truth to that, maybe maybe a lot of truth to that. And certainly this idea, 
in a world where, and we talked about this with Elvis a little bit, this idea of career progression, maybe not being a linear thing and things like that. The idea of, of a manager, a first line direct manager being there as a supportive, uh, empowered and, and capable maybe career advocate or coach. Is that something you guys think about them? Yes, oh, absolutely. I mean, and we see it a lot at the front line mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the talent pipeline is really sort of the lifeblood of the front line, right? Okay. We, we need to have people who can step into store manager roles or coach roles in the call center. So yeah. the, the leaders really are focused on finding talent and uh, developing those people. That's- yeah, let's talk about that a little bit more then. So, so whether it's uh, someone, you, uh, a group of folks you're trying to 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 prepare for more uh, more more responsibility or or a broader role or things like that, or or even maybe some of the senior kinds of folks you're looking to mentor and and, and get ready for that big career jump. What are some of the ways you guys go about kind of? I don't know, identifying or selecting, with, I don't know what terminology you like to use at T-Mobile for for kind of identifying the people for these kinds of programs. That's a great question. So honestly, we do it in slightly different ways, depending on the level of the folks coming into the program. Mm -hmm. Right. But so when you think about the front line, uh, those programs tend to be filled through a nomination process where there could also be an interview. Right. So the uh, store managers, I think, spend a lot of time in touch with their employees. They have an idea of who's interested in, you know, moving on to the next step within their teams. So based partly on that dialogue, partly on performance, um, we will get a set of nominations. Okay. And then, like I said, sometimes there's been an interview process. We actually have a pretty distributed HR approach at T-Mobile. We have an amazing HR crew that supports the different lines of business. And so they customize the approach to be whatever would work best for their business. So it's, not, it's not necessarily a blanket cookie, cookie cutter, check these four boxes and then you might be eligible. It's a little more nuanced, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we have an agile performance management system. Interesting. Okay. So we don't use traditional ratings. Okay, so great. it's not as though you could say, well, gosh, you got a 4.5 yeah. out of 5. You are high potential. Right. And, and the other thing is really in a more traditional view of of talent development, right? You're looking at performance and potential. And so those old performance management-based approaches really only showed you performance. Whereas we feel like the the person's immediate manager and maybe their leadership team, they have a good view of what that, that team member is doing today and what they're capable of. And they can do a really great job to identify their top talent. So we provide tools and resources to do that. You know, we have a system that sure. tracks our top talent, but but it's not a rigid process. Right. And, and is it an ongoing process? Is it something that you're – a continuous process, or is it more cohort-driven, you know, this this quarter we're going to look to develop the next crop of store managers? How, how, how is it organized? So um, you're going to find that at T-Mobile, the answer is it depends. <laughs> That's a great um, answer, though. Well, it's a big, big company. Yes. That does make sense, yeah. So um, – for the the frontline programs, they run on a schedule. Right now, we're running three cohorts um, a year. It's a the program to become a frontline manager mm-hmm. is a six month commitment. Wow! So um, this year, we started a cohort every other month for three months. Actually, the last cohort, cohort three, starts in July, and those those folks are in, enrolled in a six month learning journey. Okay. Um, 
In other parts of the business, it works differently. Okay, sure. But but still, um, like talent reviews could be ongoing, and then development decisions could be made in a more ad hoc way. Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I I couldn't follow the math there, Melissa, but I think it added up the right way with the cohorts. But uh, I'll take <laughs> yes. your word for it. One, two, and three. That's yeah. right. <laughs> hey, this is. Let me do a quick reset. This is the HR Happy Hour Show. We are at the Cornerstone Convergence event in San Diego. I am talking with Melissa Lanier Preston, Director of Leadership and Talent Management at T-Mobile, and we're talking about talent development, leadership development, and it's. It's such a great and important role. I mentioned this on the, on the show with uh, Elvis or the section of the show with Elvis a second ago. It's never been, to me, a more interesting and probably important time for organizations, talent professionals, because we know unemployment's really low, right? The competition's getting hotter and hotter for people and good people have more options. I, I posted the other day on my site the number of job openings in the United States that the BLS reports all-time record high again, 6.7 million open jobs. And that series keeps every month, it hits another all-time high. I don't know when it's going to stop. So, uh, But one of the things we don't talk about enough when we do these talent shows and these HR shows is we don't talk enough, I think, about the HR people and the talent people and, and the learning people themselves. And before, as we were chatting before we started the recording, you shared some interesting insights about how you work with your team and the skills your own team is developing themselves. I, I'd love for you to comment a little bit about how you look at the capabilities and skills of your own team who then serve these learners at T-Mobile. Sure. So, you know, Within our team, we have tried very hard to find new ways to serve our organization, right? T-Mobile's a big company. We're very distributed. And some of the old methods of bring people together for a workshop or send each manager a PowerPoint deck and have right. them walk through it at the store, right? Some of those methods, they're just not that effective. And they weren't providing the uncarrier punch <laughs> that, of course, the T-Mobile organization right. is looking for. Right. So um, one of the things that my team has done is really gone deep into some tools and innovation, things like design thinking. Yeah, that's the, interesting. Yeah, the, t- the team's gone through design thinking training. We've actually done it twice because we've added to the team and we've grown. And we use a lot of the approaches of, you know, empathy interviews and prototyping and iterating uh, all the time. I think we've had to, we we talk about the idea of holding on to things loosely, right? That you shouldn't fall too much in love with your idea because we're going to get it out to a group in the organization to test and get real feedback and iterate as quickly as we can until we get to something that we think works really well and we can stabilize. And that's a really new mental model for folks who work in learning and development because many times they approach things thinking they need to be perfect. Sure. And that time that it takes to get to perfect is time that we frequently don't have. Yeah, and, and I guess there's been a mindset, or maybe there's been, I think, this mindset of, of kind of chunks of kind of product or delivery. I've delivered that PowerPoint deck to the manager. It's completed, right? It's yes, done. Yes, Cross it absolutely. off my list, move on to the next thing. And I guess what you're finding or what you're saying is with with sort of business changing so quickly, people's expectations and demands changing and, and technology, of course, we're going to talk about that in a second changing, that those old kind of methods maybe don't always work so well anymore. Yes, it is. Um, it's really better to think about what can you deliver now and how can you make it as good as it can be in the moment 
right? We talk about minimum viable product. Sure. That. How can we get something out there and get feedback? We've also reorganized the teams a little bit. They look more like agile journey teams. So we don't call them that, but that's how they function. Wow. We bring the work to the people instead of the people to the work. That, they work in sprints. They have daily stand-ups. It's so funny, though. You're using, I mean, not funny, but interesting because it, it's very unusual to me. I mean, do, I do a lot of these shows. I talk to a lot of people. It's very unusual for a learning leader or an HR leader to talk like the leader of a tech company startup, <laughs> right? You're talking about design thinking and MVP and agile, right, and sprints. It's I'm not saying it doesn't happen out there. I'll probably get some emails after the show saying, oh, we do that too at, at XYZ Company. But it's it's really refreshing and, and kind of a kind of a fun and, and I don't know, more innovative way to think about delivering HR and, and delivering learning learning services to the organization. Well, it's really enabled us to take a different sort of pivot with the curriculum that we provide. You know, we have micro-learning curriculums. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, our, our senior manager program, program that gets people ready to be senior managers, that is nine learning paths that can happen over as much as, as little as nine months, as much as, you know, a year, year and a half, depending on how long people want to progress through them. Okay. There's a thousand micro-learning objects in that curriculum. Wow. Right. So the, the skill set and the management that you need to be able to produce a thousand learning objects is just a very different skill set than in a traditional HR learning team. Yeah. So we had to go out to the market and hire people. We have a and maybe people our, with slightly different backgrounds. Did that oh, happen? Absolutely. Too? Yeah. Okay. We have we have folks, we have a videographer. We have a couple of wow. people who came from uh, tech companies that launched websites. You know, we had to build a more diverse team to be able to work in this new way. That's so interesting. Uh, Melissa, the last thing I wanted maybe to touch on, since we are at a technology conference, it's the Cornerstone Conference. You mentioned your, say, this micro-learning curriculum. You have a 1,000 objects, 50,000 employees all over the place, right? The scaling and the delivery of, of services and programs and certainly monitoring and measuring, we talk about that a little bit too, but it, it can't really effectively scale in a sustainable way without the support of some kind of technology. I, I'd love for you to comment a little bit about Maybe at least maybe generally at first, and then as specific as you'd like to get, how you see the role of technology as an enabler and a supporting tool and empowering some of the things you really need to do as, as a learning leader at T-Mobile. Absolutely. So um, technology is an enabler for us, right? When I first started at T-Mobile three years ago and we started to talk about moving into this on-demand micro-learning curriculum, we didn't have a social learning platform. Okay. We didn't have a way to, to help people form a cohort and go through content and have rich social discussions. And so we had to go to the market and find technology. And we were already Cornerstone customers. They have a social learning module. So okay. we ended up with Cornerstone Connect, which has been a really great enabling platform for our HIPO programs. Okay. But, you know, the, the, one of the things that I've learned in terms of trying to be sort of in this space of next practices <laughs> right. is that a lot of times the technology is lined up to existing practices. And so, I mean, we were fortunate that, that Cornerstone really enabled a lot of what we wanted to do. But we, we do find as we imagine and design, think our way into sure. new ways of doing things that the barrier that you sometimes run into is wow, the systems that are out there, they do it the old way. Right. 
and you know, we're, we're not a, we're not a software company. We don't build our own software. Right. We build yeah. learning. So, you know, that sometimes really can be a, that can be a barrier. Um, and, you know, sometimes we just have to wait for things to catch up. We've had some really great ideas that have not been practical to implement. Um, I, I really value the, the sort of the partnership that we have had mm-hmm. with the folks at Cornerstone because they listen to our ideas. Um, they, they tell us sometimes that, you know, they, that we, we bend the system. I think sometimes <laughs> we break the system, but uh, my team, they're, they're willing to try to make it do all sorts of things. Um, but that has given us perspective that they are willing to hear and right. come back to us with how else we might do things. And that's really helped to sort of leapfrog us in a few places. Yeah, and I've talked a little bit about uh, on previous shows, and I know in some of the some of the stuff I've written about the importance of when you're working with a vendor partner, you know, as an HR leader, as an HR organization, learning organization, that current capability, yes, is important, and current functionality, and everybody's got their list of must-have things that the system must do. But a big part of the ongoing successor relationship is certainly going to be well, what's going to happen from now forward. Are, we want to move fast, as in your case. We want to move fast. We want to break things. We want to be innovative. And, and are are the partners we've selected to work with us going to walk with us on that journey and be supportive of us along the way? Because not all of them can, right? The software development cycles are can be notoriously long. And as you said, often products are architected about, well, the way things have always been done and maybe even the way things were done a year or two ago, because it's taken a couple of years to yes. get that product into market. So it's an interesting way you've described kind of that navigation of that relationship you have w- with your provider on some of these areas. It's been very positive, mm-hmm. right? But it's taken effort on both sides. Sure. And, you know, I'm not sure that every every company has the ability to invest time and energy in it. But we've been fortunate in that, you know, T-Mobile has made a big investment in leadership development. And while... I don't have endless resources. I have solid resources right. and really good people. Well, and they can sort of have the technology conversations that, you know, honestly, I'm not a technologist, right? So um, I have resources on my team that can really help to navigate some of the vision and turn it into a practical reality as an experience for a learner. Melissa, I want to do one last question and we'll let you go. We're almost at the end of the day. It's the HR happy hour show. We are almost at happy hour. I think we're about Woo-hoo. a half hour away. So uh, I don't want to hold you up too much longer, but maybe the last thing I throw out to you is like, where do you kind of see maybe generally, or maybe more specifically, if you want to talk about some specific initiatives you have at T-Mobile, you know, if you think about the next, I don't know, 12, 18, 24 months, what are, what are you thinking about in terms of what well, I'd really like to take this here or have you thought about it at all that way? Yeah. Oh, so, so we think about the future a lot, right? One of the things that we're, we're working on right now is a non-traditional competency model, right? So, so everybody hates competency models. Oh, I know. Maybe not as much as they hate performance management. Yeah, maybe not. But but it might be close. Right. (laughs) Right. So, but yet we have found that there are times when you need something, right? We're an agile performance management company. We don't do ratings, but we do do talent identification. And so leaders need something sometimes to help make that happen. So what could that look like? We're in the process of working through that, trying to connect with other organizations that have gone down this road of really non-traditional approaches to competencies, maybe even no competencies at all. I think competency models are going to sort of go the way of performance management. We're going to see less and less in the sort of the the current way that people approach it. Um, In terms of learning, 
we are very focused on continuing to find new technologies that enable rich learning experiences and particularly soft skills. Right? So my team's right. focused on soft skills learning. Um, so we've um, been in the process of implementing some things in terms of gamification okay. um, and leaderboards to help drive some healthy competition within the organization. Right, right. We've also been talking to folks about virtual reality and yeah. and um, richer simulations. I've got um, a guy you can talk to. I'll tell you his name after the show. Okay, but yeah, awesome. the R guy is really good in this area. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for learning for talent professionals, and I think for HR professionals. I know I said that earlier, but it's also, I think it's great. I can tell from, from the amount of interest we have in this podcast about talent and HR. It's it's a great time. Oh, it's awesome. I mean, I love my job. I feel really fortunate that I get to go in every day and help build fabulous careers for the 50,000 people at T-Mobile. I couldn't think of a better thing That's to awesome. be doing right now. Awesome. Melissa Lanier Preston, T-Mobile. Thank you Thank so you. much for joining us. It's been great to talk to you. Enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Great to meet you. And uh, I want to also say, uh, as we wrap up, I want to thank the folks at Cornerstone On Demand for hosting the HR Happy Hour Show here at Convergence this year. We've had a great time. Hope you've enjoyed the conversations we had with Elvis Ha and with Melissa uh, from T-Mobile. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. We will see you next time. And for more information, go to www.h3hr.com. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the HR Happy Hour Show, your source for information and conversation on work, the workplace, technology, and more. Learn more and listen to all the show archives at www.hrhappyhour.net.